Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Seven of Wands and Medusa. Today's show will focus on the Eight of Wands and Cupid's Arrows. Myth and Tarot Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, wands, and symbols And all of the above Myth, Tarot, Love Welcome to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new-aged wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. We're talking about the Eight of Wands today. Let's dive in. Uh, so the Eight of Wands is an interesting card uh, in the wand suit because it kind of feels a little bit out of place, but not totally out of place. Um, so the Seven of Wands, if you remember, had this had uh, us... Um, defending ourselves and then suddenly the eight of wands has this burst of energy right and it does feel a little bit out of place after this high tension but that often actually happens right where you have this this situation of high tension and suddenly there's this release and you feel free and everything just falls into place and there's suddenly clarity um, that is the that's what's being described in our eight of wands um, when we look at the actual card what we see is clear blue skies, clear blue skies, which is always uh, a sign of clarity and understanding. Um, and then we have eight rods, and we don't actually see where they begin, but they're all facing towards the right side of the card, which means this is a very future forward card. Um, something else that's really interesting about the wands is that you can't actually see any of them touching the ground. Um, they are all flying through the air. Um, well, we imagine they're flying through the air. Yeah, we don't really know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. We don't really know where they're coming from, but they're just kind of, uh, above the ground. Um, and it's something else that we see is in the background, like at the bottom, we see this beautiful green lush landscape with a river, um, which is normally a sign of fertile land for one thing that has that hasn't even been touched yet and we're seeing it from above so i get this feeling of like flying and clarity and everything's making sense and we don't necessarily know where we're going to land but we we have trust right we we believe that wherever we're going to land it's going to be in a location where we're better off and these are all very much um some of the feelings uh and, and symbols of the Eight of Wands. Um, all right, so let's talk about what happens if you get this card. So this card often portrays a, a travel of some sort. Um, it can also portray um, information being transferred. Uh, so it, it might sometimes honestly represent things being in the mail, right? Like <laughs> things being sent off and uh, and you don't really know what the result is. You don't necessarily know what the answer is, but um, it's it's going to get there. It's going to get there. The answer is definitely going to be had. So sometimes this card actually appears as an answer uh, to a person's question. And when that happens, I often will tell that person, uh, well, your answer is... Coming. <laughs> your answer is coming. It's, it's on its way, yeah. right? So it's either... Um, it, it's already been formed and it's, it, cause we don't really know where the beginning is, um, in this card, right? So there's this idea that 
when you when you receive it, you don't necessarily know what the answer is. You don't know where things are going to land, but you know that they're on their way and it's going to. And generally, it tends to be more on the positive side than the negative side. Um, this card does have kind of a bit of ambiguity to it where it can be both positive and negative. Um, but it also has a lot of really um, powerful influences in it, right? Um, I would say it has a lot of kind of some of the faith that was talked about when we in the star. It has a lot of like the power and energy of the magician in there. Um, it's got it's got a lot of uh, this idea that we are in control of so much. But when the eight of wands appears, it's kind of saying, well, the universe is taking care of everything you want. Hmm. It's almost like, I don't know, it reminds me of like a, a sense of motion too because yeah. they're kind of, I don't know if they're falling or if they're being thrown or what's happening to them, but they're kind of moving through the air and they're kind of just going to like fall where they may. Exactly. They'll fall where they may. Um, I also think it's kind of interesting that they're not all jumbled up. Um, like when we're looking at the wands, mm-hmm. they're, they're all parallel to each other, right? Which which kind of, to me, seems like there is some order involved mm-hmm. to where they might fall. So it's not so it's not really this chaotic sense, and it, it, it definitely has uh, it it imparts much more of a belief of uh, just trusting the results mm-hmm. um, and just trusting the uncertainty that's involved in this card as well. Um, so if you receive this card as an answer, chances are your answer is already coming. Um, and it's just not, it, it's, it, it's not something that can be revealed to you quite yet, but it might be in the mail. Perhaps someone is send, is going to give you a message really soon. Um, it can also mean that your message will, like your answer will be found in travel as well. Like there, a lot of times this, this card is very much associated with traveling and um, this sensation of feeling like you don't really have roots <laughs> anymore, right? Uh, once again, we the, these wands don't ha- aren't showing the ground, right? So there's this this definitely feeling of like you've been uprooted and like everything, and you're being swept up swept up in the wind. I often have this this imagery actually when I think of this card of a leaf that is blowing in the wind, um, or maybe even a better imagery would be a um, like a seed. You know, like a dandelion seed mm-hmm. that's kind of just being blown in the wind and it might fall wherever it's going to fall and it'll probably be able to set roots and, um, you know, start new life wherever it does fall. Um, so sometimes this card will appear to represent a person as well. And that person definitely is the kind of person that feels like they're not very rooted, right? Um that's why I've gotten this card. So oh, have you been getting this card a lot? <laughs> yeah, I since I've gotten um, my new. Well, I guess not really new. I've had it for a year now. The Journey Through the Hidden Realm deck. I oh, I get this card so often. And do I you guess move makes, a lot? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, what's funny though is that this yeah. year I haven't. Normally, the past five years I've moved twice <laughs> every twice year. a year. That's a lot of moving. It's a lot of moving yeah. and a lot of action, and so. Yeah, that's interesting. That because in my deck, the image is of um, a woman with like big red ha- curly hair. Kind of reminds me of that Disney princess. I can't think a of her brave. Name. Yes. Yeah. And she has uh, like a bow and arrow, and she's like about to take her shot. Yeah, it seems a lot like brave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And so, yeah, I keep giving the, this card again and again. So that makes sense now. Arrows are a great symbol for this card. Because um, the thing that's the thing that's interesting about arrows is you can't really... Um, you don't, like, you can aim all you like with the arrow, but once you release it, you just have to trust that it's going to reach the target, mm -hmm. right? And you don't necessarily know what's what might get in the way. Maybe there's a gust of wind at that time yeah. or... Or something else, like, falls in front of it, like, where you were trying to hit. Like, you yeah. never know. You never know, yeah. but you have, like, as soon as you release the arrow... Mm -hmm. You, it has that arrow has all of this energy that is driving it forward to meet its mark, mm -hmm. and that's a lot like the energy of the Eight of Wands, right? This idea that we that there's all this energy that's been given to it, and now it's just being flung forward, and you have to just trust that it's going to get there. Um, so kind of similar with when you are mailing something, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you put something in the mailbox and you just have to trust it's going to get there, <laughs> right? And it doesn't always get there, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, normally it does. Um, and you just have to hope that it, that your, it's going to meet its mark, if you will, yeah. right? Um, yeah, so if you get this card as an answer or it could represent a person, um, it definitely has a lot of this energy in it, um, and it, it tends to be normally very positive, so it's also a very powerful helper card as well. Um, but sometimes it can also appear as an obstacle, right? Mm -hmm. And when this card appears as an obstacle, it can very much mean this idea that maybe almost the opposite, that maybe you do need to get a little bit more rooted, for one thing. It could... Um, it depends. It always depends on what other cards are being mm -hmm. involved, right? Like sometimes the cards start connecting to each other and they start telling a story. Yeah. So the obstacle might have something else very specific, right? But uh, this could also mean that you're that the person's going to receive bad news soon, um, or that you know they might they might get some they might have this feeling of anxiety, um, like feeling um. Un, like once again uprooted mm -hmm. and like they don't unbalanced. really belong unbalanced yeah. right so that car so this card since it has so much of that energy it can have kind of those more negative sides to it as well um but ultimately it's this card in general does ask you to just trust which is sometimes one of the hardest things to do because mm -hmm. we want to have control over every little aspect of our lives and well, you know, uh, as much as we do have control over, we always have control over how we react <laughs> to situations, right? But we don't always have control over the situation. Um, and sometimes this card can also represent that idea as well, that you don't necessarily have control over everything. Um, in some ways, you could say that this card is kind of like karma, right? This idea of um, forces having already been in motion and once things are already set in motion, there's only so much you can do to stop a cause, uh, like an effect from happening, happening once the cause has already occurred, right? So, um, so these are all kinds of some of the ideas that could come up as more of the negative side of the Eight of Wands. But in general, this card is normally very positive and it can often represent a really pleasant trip, mm -hmm. kind of a journey where you find yourself and uh, everything makes sense afterwards. <laughs> um, normally the Eight of Wands comes with uh, a very strong amount of perspective. Like once again, 
because when you're flying up in the air, yeah, you're not rooted, but you can also see everything. Um, and it's rather peaceful. <laughs> Enjoyable. Unless you keep flying and are never ever coming down. If you, if it feel it might feel like you're never ever coming down. Yep. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, and there's a lot of energy involved in that as well, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, if the eight of wands keeps appearing for you, um, it depends on how it's appearing for you. It might just be telling you to trust that things will land eventually. <laughs> what goes up must come down. Maybe once I go down. No, Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> All right. So what story do you have for us today, hmm, Biddy? We have a few stories today um, that involves Cupid, but I just wanted to mention um, another thing first, because on the American Tarot Association for this card, they do mention Cupid's arrows, but they actually also mention the Staff of Moses, which I thought was interesting um and so i had to look it up a little bit just to get more information to see how it could kind of relate relate, because i thought it was a bit odd um that yeah it's reminiscent of the staff so i think it's it's because um of transformation so Mm -hmm. because i think the eight also has a bit to do with transformation maybe yeah definitely like when we're going from one place to another Mm, and this this idea of suddenly like sudden inspiration Mm -hmm. sudden uh, understanding it has a transformative effect okay. for sure yeah because so apparently um moses's staff transformed into and out of a snake yes. um pretty quickly uh, once or twice um and it also you know is a powerful symbol and has a power itself like parting the red sea and that sort of thing yeah so i'm like okay like that's pretty cool so is that a, it's I powerful that. transformative mm-hmm. staff exactly um, but yeah, but it also went on a journey, <laughs> right? Yes. Like staff, yeah. like Moses's That's staff true. was also very much part of a journey mm-hmm. and kind of a symbol of going from one location to, to a new one. location. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there we go. So could be the staff. <laughs> um, but I'd like to talk about Cupid's arrows, especially because there are eight. So there's like a multiple. It's not just one mm-hmm. um, rod that we have here. Um, and for simplicity's sake, I will be referring to him as Cupid and not Eros, even though I'm going to be talking about mostly Greek stories. And in um, ancient Greek mythology, Cupid is known as Eros. And yeah. Eros, we've talked a bit about Eros before. and Psyche. Cupid and Psyche, yeah. Cupid and Psyche. Cupid and Psyche. Yeah. Psyche or Eros, um, he is, they're, they're very, very similar in characteristics. Um, he, he's just shown as more of like a youth with the arrow rather than a baby. You know, we think yeah. of Cupid, we think of Cup- baby. With Cupid an... is always like a cherub. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like a, so a baby with wings. Mm-hmm. So Eros is shown a little bit differently. And he also have a bit of different um, parentage just depending on the myth. So sometimes he is attributed to being um, the son of Aphrodite. Other times he is one of the first, I don't want to call them primordial gods, but one of the first gods to come out of chaos. And he is literally the force of attraction. I love it. So <laughs> it's all, I don't know, the way I like to think of yeah. him um, is that he's almost like gravity. <laughs> yeah. In he, a way. So he is a force upon itself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's like gravity, but between people. But between people. Exactly. <laughs> so it is kind of more, you know, about love we'll be talking about, um, but also about cr- 
you know, about the quick transformation that love can bring into your world and, you know, how your world can also be kind of turned around. Yeah, it, you definitely and, will feel like nothing, like everything's been flipped upside down, like it's possible to feel like that and and completely uprooted and, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you just trust that it's going to work out. Or you really hope. You really hope, <laughs> you have so much hope that it's going yeah. to work out. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in a lot of different myths, Cupid is the one who basically kind of sets the plot in motion. So this is kind mm-hmm. of another aspect of the Eight of Wands. So not so it's not the physical act of you know moving places, but it's to again move the plot kind of forward, forward and yeah. along. So just it adds energy, really. Mm-hmm. It's at, it's it's what's adding energy, like electrifies the plot, if you will. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. the Eight of Wands is referred to as a bolt of lightning. There we go. Yeah. yeah, and definitely that is the case um, when Cupid comes around and uh, decides to stick a zero where it shouldn't be. Um, so yeah, so we, oh, does he now? We, oh, he does. And yes, so he's definitely impacted many characters and, like I said, many stories. And we've already spoken actually about a few of them. Um, one of them is um, with Medea and Jason. So when Jason right. was going to get the Golden Fleece, it was. Cupid, who um, struck Medea with the arrow, so that we he would fall, she would fall in Madly love with in Jason, love with him, yeah. and then she would help him on his quest. Um, that and, darn Cupid! I know. And this is also similar with Aeneas and Dido, which we talked about more recently. Again, mm-hmm. Cupid um, struck Dido uh, with her his arrow, and she fell madly in love and wanted you know him to stay with her and help him and all that sort of thing and actually in both of these cases is interesting because it was Hera uh, who was responsible for asking Cupid or Cupid through his mother Aphrodite to shoot the women um, with the, the arrow of love and desire so it's not so some t- very rarely is it actually Cupid that's sorry but being a little shit <laughs> and <laughs> acting on his own he's normally um, being directed to mm-hmm, do stuff exactly mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting. Interesting part of his character, because like, with, when you're saying this, I'm like, oh, that little shit, Cupid. Mm-hmm. There will uh. be one. There will be one instance when that happens. Right. But yeah, it's mostly, um, again, and that's almost why I do see it as more of like a plot device in a sense, because yeah, well, he's a he's an excellent reason for a character to act out of character, mm-hmm. right? Like he yeah. he he makes it so that the character suddenly do whatever is needed to drive the plot forward and not necessarily what's in their best interest. Definitely, definitely. And actually just that reminds me of a scene um, I was just reading um, in, oh, was it? No, it was in the Odyssey um, where Helen and Menelaus um, are talking and Helen, of course, was taken off to Troy and (laughs) war and all that jazz. And, you know, she's blaming Aphrodite in this scene um, I think it's in book four, saying, you know, it's Aphrodite's fault that, you know, I I'm went... so beautiful and no, attractive. No, 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 that, no, 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 that, you know, she went with Paris, basically saying, oh, insinuating Aphrodite that Aphrodite is... got Cupid or like, Eros yeah. to strike her with an arrow to make her fall in love with Paris and then thus leaving Menelaus. Yeah. Kind of taking away her own responsibility mm-hmm. from the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, love definitely makes us feel like victims sometimes, rather mm-hmm. than uh, instigators. Definitely, in our, in our own we misery. Do it. It's, it's not our fault. We fell in love. Yeah. Um. But exactly. Yeah. Which is the I case. was possessed by love. Exactly. I was possessed by Cupid's arrow. Yep. 
which is definitely the case in the first um, story here. So this one is from the Homeric Hymn to Aphrodite. And this is another one I, can't, I should have looked back. I don't think I've got, got into detail with this one. It is my favorite Homeric Hymn, but I can't remember <laughs> if I have. Either way, I'll do the short version here. Um, but it was in this one, it was actually Zeus who got Cupid um, to shoot Aphrodite. Um, with the arrow basically because he was sick and tired of him being kind of the butt of the joke in the way and <laughs> really he yeah. was like i've been a rowdy a, a rowdy son of a gun it's time for someone else to be it's, it's time for a little bit of payback because aphrodite was kind of giggling and you know oh, to herself man. and to everyone you know that she's has almost like this power over zeus because again she can get cupid to yeah. make him fall in love with someone. Anyone, so that, yeah. that, and that's the thing too is that it's not just it's gods and people that um, he has this influence over so it, it is pretty strong the fact yeah. that he can he has power over, over any Zeus only, even. Yeah. yeah he technically has power even over the king of gods mm-hmm. so yeah. he was like okay <laughs> I've had enough of this um, so he got Cupid to shoot um, Aphrodite with his arrow arrow um, and so she fell in, in love or in lust <laughs> with Anchises, um, who was a human. Um, da, 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 da. Sorry. Yeah. So basically at this point um, of the story, she falls in love. And so she kind of, they have, there's this scene that I love because she's kind of, it's, it's very reminiscent of, any you know girl or girlfriends get together you're about to go out it's like you know you do she's doing her hair and putting on her perfume and putting on these lovely garments it's It's, a sacred time it's a sacred time it's a a getting ready and in the ritual of mm -hmm. going out yes (laughs) and then as she's you know going towards um his hut or his place it's funny because all the animals below her start um uh, pairing off and going into caves to copulate and it's just <laughs> because like, of her influence just because yeah. just because she's walking because Aphrodite by. is like the personification of sex yes pretty much yeah pretty pretty much. Much. yeah um and so she gets there and she's like oh you know we're going to be married I'm this mortal princess blah 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 like we should just have sex yeah <laughs> because we're gonna get married anyways um, and Kai sees he did, you know, hold off a little bit, but he, he did say He yes. only has so much power over a god. Exactly. Yeah. Like, she, she did disguise herself a little bit, but still a goddess. Still quite beautiful. And then yeah. the next morning, um, she wakes up and it's like the curse, not the curse, I don't want to call it that, but... The, the effects, spell. The effects of yeah. the arrow kind of wear off in an instant and she realizes what has happened, what she's done and why she's done it because yeah. again she's put you know made other people do this all the do time this, so yeah. she's she recognizes it and is very embarrassed and ashamed because he is immortal that and that she you know she kind of yeah. got a taste of romance so are you saying bit. that Cupid's arrow is responsible for all one night one night stands no <laughs> no way <laughs> Kind of. Is that is that the explanation for what a one night stand is? <laughs> Cupid's arrow. No. And then the effects that wear off the, Maybe. the next day. Well, I'm gonna leave it to everyone, all the listeners' the individual opinions on that one. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's just I find it interesting that again, it's a quick transformation into and out of of love. Yeah. So that, like, once again, between. lots of lots of energy there, right? Mm-hmm. You've got all you you 
you have this quick transformation and then suddenly you're back and then you're back out and, <laughs> and then yeah. again your your leaf but, falls and then you're like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> this is where i land okay <laughs> so this is what happened yeah um so yeah so that is the homeric hymn to actually that uh it's funny that i did it in that order almost because so after that night she actually did get pregnant and she got pregnant with Aeneas. <laughs> oh, so there we go. Figure. Yeah, so works full out. circle. Kind of full, full circle here. Um, yeah. Okay, so the other story I wanted to mention is with another god, um, Apollo. This time that gets the um, he gets the arrow. He gets the arrow. So this is a story about Apollo and Daphne. So Apollo, we've spoken about before, he's the god of the sun and prophecies and plague and all these fun things. Um, I didn't know he was the son of plague. God of plague. Or, sorry, the god of plague. <laughs> yeah, so um, him and so him and his sister um, Artemis, they both, again, you, you see them both with bow and arrows as well. Right, yeah. So Artemis is known as being like a very good shot. Like she just needs one arrow, one shot, she's going to hit her mark. Whereas yeah. Apollo, he's a little different. He shoots many, many arrows. Um, and just hopes one of them will. Well, not just one. So, so say there is like a whole bunch of people who'll shoot all of his arrows. So some hit, some of his arrows will hit people, and some won't. So the people that they hit, they will get the plague, will get whatever the sickness is, and, and then others they spread won't. it. No, no, it's not about spreading. It's about like other people won't get it, but yeah. some people do get it. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. So the ones that do get it were were hit by struck by his arrow. By Apollo's arrow. So that it's. So to them, it wasn't about spreading. It's it's more you know, of a way of explaining why some people get plague and others don't. A hundred percent, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So kind of kind of neat in that sense. Interesting. Um, but yeah, that unrelated. But yes. <laughs> so yeah. So um, Apollo and so Daphne was um, a nymph and a daughter of a river god. So nymphs, you know, known as being quite beautiful, Very beautiful. and they are often chased. I hear. <laughs> this one was, yes. Yeah. So, not all, but this one um, did vow to never marry or to be touched by a man. Um, fortunately, again, or unfortunately, she was very beautiful and she caught the eye of the god Apollo. Um, but Apollo had been mean to Cupid. So Cupid decided to play a little trick on him. So this is the story where Cupid is a little shit. Yeah. Basically, like, okay, you're being mean to me. Well, I have all this power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he decided to shoot Apollo with his arrow of love. Um, but he also shot Daphne, not with his love arrow, but with an arrow of hate. Oh, I didn't know Cupid had hate arrows. I didn't either until this story. <laughs> <laughs> he has both. He, he can both. So, which kind of is interesting because, again, if you think of him as a force of attraction, then that's also like a, a force, force of repulsion. Yeah. yeah. So, so he both. He has both. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So under um, the spell, Apollo kept pursuing Daphne, obviously. He's, of course, yeah. Keeps going Smitten. after her. Um, but Daphne kept rejecting him because not only did she hate him, but, you know, she wanted to remain She had this vow, as yeah. well. Um, so Daphne kind of got fed up and she went to the river god uh, Peneus and asked him to please help her escape from Apollo. Um, so the river god d decided to transform Daphne into a, a laurel tree. Oh. You know, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, so that's, so she's now a laurel so tree. So now she's now a tree. 
um, to escape the god. Um, and what's kind of, I don't know, I think is interesting anyways, is that the laurel leaf actually became a symbol of Apollo and at the Pythian Games. Um, so she couldn't quite escape him. No, she <laughs> no. And apparently he made her the her as a tree, like, not immortal, but could, didn't go anywhere. Oh, so he, like, protected the tree. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, so the Pythian Games that would take place at Delphi every, uh, I think that was an every four-year one or maybe every two-year. Um, if you won, you would win, uh, like, a... The laurel? A laurel, not crown, crown like, wreath. Around wreath your, for your, right. your head. Yeah. Ah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's also a symbol of victory. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. And not that women are trophies, but no, you know. No, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's just it. And and it's kind of I don't know how much I like the fact that she then became his a symbol, symbol of, too. Yeah. Or yeah. just in general. She tried to escape him and then suddenly she you became are mine forever now. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. And well let's just say she was, you know, happy nymph going about her business and now she has to be a tree forever. Like that's yeah. Really Cupid, you little shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you think you're get you know, getting back at Apollo, but really you're just definitely like, got the short end of the stick there for sure. Ha, stick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So we're yeah. So that's the end of time. our show. We've mm-hmm. still got some words of wisdom to impart. Um. That are inspired by the Eight of Wands. Uh. Yeah. If you like our show, please leave a comment. Tell your friends. Leave a review on iTunes if you like. Exactly. Um, we have um, a couple new Facebook group members. So hello and thank you for joining us. Um, all of our contact will be um, in the show notes there. Yeah, it's awesome hearing uh, what you guys think of the mm-hmm. show and also your own journeys into the tarot. I'm really enjoying hearing that about that. Anyways, uh, yeah, so our words of wisdom for today have to do with the idea of what do we do when everything feels like it's, we're just leaves in the, leaves in the wind being blown here and there, and um, how do we deal with um, releasing that control? Mm. So it actually comes from Lao Tzu, uh, so it's short and sweet. When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. Myth and tarot. Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, wands, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth, tarot,